Well, as I said at the beginning of the Eucharist, over the last few weeks, we have been taking an intentional look at what God has done among us as a Trinity family over the last 150 years and what He is calling us to do now and into the future. Two weeks ago, we explored 150 and beyond for the next generation. Last week, we looked at 150 and beyond for His glory. And now, this week, I want to look and uh, talk about 150 and beyond for our world. Our God and His church have always been for the world and the people in it. From the beginning of time, our God, who is an eternal exchange of love, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has desired us to share in that exchange of love. In the beginning, God spoke and things happened. In the beginning, God played around in the mud, forming man in His likeness and image and breathing into Him His Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God walked around with man in the cool of the garden. From the beginning, God has been for the world. And even when Adam and Eve messed it all up by falling into temptation and sin, God was still for the world. We see this in the first gospel, Genesis 3.15, where God says to the serpent, He, that is the seed of Eve, shall bruise, or in some translations, crush your head, Satan, and you shall bruise his heel. It is in John's gospel that we see this promise fulfilled in that well-known verse, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. And in today's Gospel text, we are confronted with that one and only Son, Jesus, and His ministry that is totally and wholly for the world. Everyone is looking for you, says Simon to Jesus. What a true and profound statement that is. Every soul is yearning and searching for its Creator. And Jesus responds, well then let's go. Let's go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there. For this purpose have I come. Jesus has come so that every soul might hear and experience the gospel of healing and forgiveness and life. And now, Jesus' bride, the church, is for the world too. In his last words to the apostles, he says, Go, go and make disciples of all nations, all peoples, all tribes and tongues. And for 150 years, Trinity has been a church dedicated to carrying on Jesus' ministry of preaching the gospel to every town and every people. 
Our church's history is actually washed in this identity. If you didn't know, it was a missionary who started this church. It was the ministry of our school that propelled us into the community and brought more and more and more people to the saving knowledge of Jesus. It was one of our pastors who started a service for Lithuanian refugees that came to the United States and didn't have a home or a place to worship. And it was the Spirit of God's people that led one of our pastors to write in Trinity's 100th year, I am constantly amazed to find so many members of Trinity filled with the zeal for the Lord's kind of work. It is the habit of so many members of this congregation to volunteer to do something extra for the Lord Jesus. You volunteer to see someone, to write a report, to phone somebody, to spend many hours typing for a group of the church, to drive a member to church services, to keep somebody's children, to attend another meeting, to study for another Bible class, to teach a class in Sunday school, to help out with Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, to bake another cake or some cookies, to do so many things for the sick and the depressed, and the bereaved. And if I ask why you do all of these extra things, you say that the love of Christ moves you. These are just some examples of spontaneous expressions of love. That was the identity of our church at its 100th anniversary, and it still is the identity of our church today as we celebrate the 150th anniversary. Because even now, we are working for the world. I mean, as a parish, as a church and a school, Our impact on our community has grown leaps and bounds. Since our Ignite journey started in 2020, we have given over $100,000 to places like church community services that feeds the hungry or Reason Enough to Act that supports parents so they can choose life and spa home for women that helps turn their lives around. We have helped send our sister Laura to the other side of the planet to serve people who are searching for the Lord. And we have supported so many young people training to be pastors and teachers and church workers who will go out from this place to serve the Lord in new places. But my friends, the work is not done. Because, if you haven't noticed yet, Jesus hasn't returned in all of his glory and splendor, and there are still people who are hurting in this world who do not know of the saving power of Jesus. You see, God and his church are for the world because the world depends on it. 
It depends on this church. The Messianic Messianic community depends on this church being present and active. Because we live in a dark, dark and treacherous world, a world marked by division and shame and tribalism and hate and corruption. And many in our lives are, are plagued with illness and infirmity of body and soul and spirit and yearning to be healed. Their voices echo the laments of Job from our first reading. I have been assigned months of misery. Troubled nights have been allotted to me. I'm filled with restlessness. I am without hope and will not see happiness again. And so were we. So are we. Last weekend, as I was standing at the back before the Eucharist began, I found myself a little verklempt as I looked across the congregation and took a moment for my a prayer for, for myself and for the people gathered. Because there are so many of us who have lost hope, who struggle with temptation, who are in desperate need of healing, who need to be reminded of their true identity and beauty. I felt a great sadness for the pain that we experience. The pain that bogs us down. And yet, at the same time, there was this strange mixture of joy as well because as I looked across this congregation and as I reflected on myself, yes, we are broken and need of hope, and yet we have come to the place where that hope is given. We have come to the field hospital in the midst of war. Because you see, my friends, the gospel always finds itself in the midst of misery. I mean, you and I have experienced it in some shape or form. We've been accompanied through a rough patch of our lives by a kind, forgiving word and an act of mercy and forgiveness out of the darkness and into the light. We've been drawn in and washed up and fed and loved by our Savior through our brothers and sisters in Christ. And now the Lord calls every one of us to go out, go. Join God and His church in being for the world. Today He lights a fire down in your souls. He invites you to continue His ministry of preaching the gospel in the midst of the misery. You don't have to have one of these to preach the gospel. Each and every one of you are called to share the Lord's love and mercy through your words and through your actions. Through your vocations and stations in life, you are called to rebuild, to heal, to bind up, and then to sustain. 
We join St. Paul in being all things to all people. To the weak, we become weak. To the least, we become least. To the homeless, we become a home. To those without a family, we become a family. And to the hungry of body and soul, we become a storehouse of sustenance, both human and divine. All to draw more and more and more people to the one who will heal them and free them and give them their identity back. Rarely are these things accomplished by extraordinary feats, but through ordinary, simple acts of mercy. So when we tell you to go today and announce the gospel of the Lord, we're not expecting you to go out and raise the dead back up to life. Now, if you do that, please call me because I'd love to see that. When we tell you to go, We're asking you to use the gifts, the talents, the treasures, the abilities that you have that God has so graciously given you to serve Him in His kingdom. I mean, look at, look at Simon's mother-in-law. She's on her deathbed. Jesus comes and touches her. And what does the Scripture say? She gets up and she starts doing the thing that she does best. The gifts that the Lord has given and she starts serving her Lord and the people who, is, who have gathered hospitality. So what is that for you? When, when you really take a moment to pause and ask the Lord, what are the gifts that you have given me, my abilities, my treasure, my time? What have you given me, Lord, to share your gospel in my unique and beautiful way to people in my life who need to hear it? What's that for you as a parent? That maybe when your kid this week doesn't do something that's very nice, you first remember that they are beloved and then you respond accordingly. What is that for you as a laborer? You use your gifts to toil and to do good work and then when Jesus gives you an opportunity to tell his story, You just ask for the Holy Spirit's prompting to give you the words to say, Ah, my friend, do you know about the one who comes to redeem you? Let's take a moment now to ask for the Holy Spirit's prompting to show us how we can go about being everyday disciples for Jesus this week, just this week. Then come back and get fed and washed up and renewed again next week. Share your stories and then go out again.